This is episode 6, Charlie, of Free As In Free. I'm Karen Sandler. And I'm Bradley Kuhn. This is Free as in Freedom. So we're still back, sort of. Uh, sort of. <laughs> we released one in uh, in January, uh, and now we're releasing, or December, something like that. And now we're going to release another one in the second week in February. So it's like a monthly podcast at this moment, but it's going to be more frequent. It, it definitely is, right? I mean... <laughs> I just hope that our listeners really appreciate how much we've improved from the previous year. <laughs> That's true. And now it's going to just be rolling at them like uh, in a feed and stuff. Uh, and I'm trying to get us on all the networks, like all these podcast networks they got out there. Pretty cool. I don't know what all that's about. And, and there's a special benefit too, right? For, for, for those who are supporters of Conservancy, $120 a year, $10 a month, support Karen's and my work at Solve for Freedom Conservancy as a conservative works slash supporter. For people who do that, there is a benefit, right? Yeah, there is a benefit. You can watch and listen to us record these episodes. So we'll provide a big blue button link and you can even not just listen to us record, but watch us record. Well, and also you'll hear everything that gets cut from the show, all the stuff in between that never makes it to air. You'll hear it all. Everything. And that's, yeah, the stuff from before this we record and uh, everything, all the planning, all the, uh, uh, everything that you will see backstage at free is in freedom. And it gives us a special it's a backstage. Edge. It's a backstage pass, Karen. It's a backstage pass <laughs> to Freedom Freedom only for folks who go right now to sfconservancy.org slash supporter and sign up for $120 a year or $10 a month. And if listening to even more chit-chat does, does not sound good to you, then your donation as a supporter helps us to record the podcast and edit it into a more efficient uh, package. <laughs> Do you think we should try to find people who aren't supporters and make them attend the live recording somehow, like auto subscribe them and then all say, well, unsubscribe them if they become a supporter? It's like a punishment for not being a supporter. Yeah. That is like a real Bradley Coon idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't want to subscribe things to people they don't mean to be subscribed to. That, that just makes you a spammer. No, but listening but, to this is wholly optional, and we're grateful to Conservancy supporters for. Uh, helping Conservancy be able to operate, and um, and that then gives us the ability to record this podcast. So, uh, so you can find a link to a mailing list that you can join. Uh, basically, just just try to join from a mailing from an email address that we know you as uh, as a Conservancy supporter, uh, and uh, you'll be put on that mailing list. And then, anytime we're going to record, we're going to make an announcement that we're recording, and that you can join and listen to us record if you would like to, uh, and see us on. And it's on our big blue button instance, so it's all free software. So you need not worry uh, if. Uh, if you're worried about using proprietary software, you don't have to do that to listen to this uh, live recording. So, so, so please, uh, please check that out if you would like that. But, uh, but, Karen, what are we going to talk about today? Do we we had we had something we had to do, right? We we said we were yeah, going to. We do. We, what we say we're going to do. We whenever we possibly can. We uh, we promised that we were going to talk more about our DMCA filings and um, and fill people in a little bit more about what they can expect from that process. Yeah, and so we last time, last time on Free as in Freedom, previously on Free as in Freedom, we spoke about the copyright investigation DMCA exception exemption filing that we did back in December. And we did two other ones as well. We did one for exemptions for wireless routers to install alternative firmwares on wireless routers. And we did one related to privacy concerns of IoT devices. That's right. And so I wonder if we should do a break now and come back and talk about those filings. So wh which one do you want to talk about first? Uh, let's talk about routers first. Okay. So in the next segment, we'll talk about the DMCA uh, exemptions that Conservancy filed regarding free firmwares on wireless routers. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I'm excited to talk about this um, about this exemption that we filed for the router space, which is um, it's along the lines of a lot of the exemptions exemption requests that have been filed in the past, and it's sort of a more traditional exemption request where um, folks from different organizations have gone and filed permission to um, to circumvent for lawful use on particular devices in the same way that we filed for our smart television exemption request um, and those all those years ago and that we filed for the renewal of which we talked about in our last episode. Yeah, and so the Copyright Office, uh, they categorize these uh, as they receive them in. They try to put them into classes uh, that they have created in the past. Um, they seem somewhat arbitrary to me. I suppose they're not arbitrary, but they seem that way. So they, they uh, but probably correctly, as Karen mentioned, they put this into the jailbreaking category, like our TV exemption, like exemptions in the past that they've given for uh, mobile telephones. We were actually quite surprised that no one had sought to make an exemption or seek an exemption for wireless routers in the past. The reason being is uh, when we started looking a little more carefully at it after OpenWRT joined Conservancy as a member project, we realized that the kinds of exemptions that the Copyright Office is likely to, to grant, which are ones that have a real-world example of where certain activities that users legitimately want to do are thwarted by lockdown provision or lockdown uh, technologies in the device, well, wireless routers have had an alternative firmware for a very long time, uh, nearly 20 years that there has been for most devices on the market an alternative firmware as long as you could be allowed to install a modified version uh, of software onto the device or uh, actually a full replacement version of software onto the device. Right. And this seemed, you know, we 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 it became very appropriate for us to file this exemption because OpenWRT became a member project of Conservancy. Um, and OpenWRT being a, um, you know, a very singular or not singular, but a very particular um, project in that it came out of a copyright, a GPL enforcement action and resulted in um, in a vibrant project. And so we were really happy at Conservancy that we were able to apply for this additional class, like so many of the other devices that have been applied for before. And um, what's different between this exemption request and the other two that we filed is that um, is that you know it, it it does look more like the the straight exemptions that the um, that have been granted for other devices. Um, and then we got to make the case specifically about. Um, router freedom, which is really important, and I'm I'm really proud of how that comment came out. Yeah, indeed, and and the 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 interesting thing is that, of course, the uh, Karen mentioned the issue of GPL enforcement and copyright uh, violation enforcement, which is was the subject of the other exemption that we talked about in the previous filing. So so it's important to draw the distinction with regard to how. The Copyright Office wants these exemption requests to be extremely narrow. So when you're looking at the the one we talked about last time, it, it wouldn't apply in a case where you weren't investigating copyright enforcement. Uh, you know, if granted, it won't be. It wouldn't apply. So so while we would kind of need both for wireless routers in some sense, because if we're if we're investigating a wireless router that might be violating the GPL, then we would be relying on the um, it's circumvention, uh, the right to circumvent under the other exemption, if granted. And in this case, this is for everybody who maybe the, maybe the wireless router doesn't even run, uh, any GPL software at all. Maybe it's running, uh, you know, QNX or some proprietary embedded system, but it might have lockdown. And if you want to replace that firmware with OpenWRT or any of the other, uh, f- freely available, uh, router firmwares that are available, you would need this exemption to be allowed to do it. Right. And these exemptions only apply to non-infringing uses. So uses that you can, you know, things that you'd want to do with your device, in this case, a router that um, that doesn't run afoul of copyright law. And of course, installing copylefted code on a device that you purchased should absolutely be non-infringing. But in, if the device had been locked down, then you could run afoul of the DMCA and doing that. And so in those instances, you really do need to have clarity that there's an exemption. I mean, I think 
we would argue that a lot of the exemptions um, that have been granted are really clarifications of the law where um, many of us believed that they were permissible, even even on the face of the DMCA. But um, uh, given that uh, that this exemption process is in place, uh, being able to get these explicit exemptions provides a real safe harbor and a knowledge that folks who are doing this important work don't have to worry about any negative consequences from the DMCA. Yeah, and that's the that's that issue of chilling effects that we we've talked about uh, in, in previous shows where we've discussed the DMCA and WCT and other uh, you know the, the other international laws that attempt to prohibit certain activities with technology uh, in the name of the copyright uh, owner's control of those devices. Uh, even when something is permitted by the law, you're leaving it up to individuals to have to understand whether it's a crime or not. And then, of course, uh, these these um, uh, uh, government entities use uh, selective enforcement. So, so you just have to live in fear. So even things that might be permitted, uh, like installing alternative firmware on your wireless router, by getting the exemption, we, we're sure that folks understand that they can do this, uh, and then it becomes part of the regular culture that oh, that's you know you're allowed to do that. That's something you're allowed to do. That's something that the the government has said you're allowed to do, uh, and uh, manufacturers can't uh, intimidate people uh, as easily. Um, it's not that they can't won't be able to intimidate people sometimes by telling them you know you avoid your warranty and all this sort of stuff like 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 they ever the wireless routers have a good warranty at all like I think the last wireless router I bought had six month warranty at most um, but uh, but they say things like that to try to get people to to not use their software um, one of the one of the arguments that that I think is really important with regard to this is 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 you know making the the hardware more useful. Um, I, I would love uh, if environmental organizations would actually realize that they ought to be involved in this kind of process to uh, to be supporting this kind of thing. Because these companies that make these wireless routers, you know, the way most things are set up with waste stream, they don't have any responsibility to make sure that the, the at least in the United States, uh, I know there are some laws about this in Europe, uh, to, to and, and a lot of times, even if there is a law, it's just money that they have to pay when they produce a new device and the devices are just a little more expensive. But really when you talk about reduce, reuse, recycle, well, the more important thing is to reuse and wireless routers can be useful for a much longer time. I'm using the same wireless router I was using um, 12 years ago, running, you know, updated versions of OpenWRT. I am quite sure that the vendor is no longer, as we talk about in our comment, the vendor is no longer providing updated firmwares uh, for that model. It's so old, but OpenWT still supports it. So I'm still able to use that wireless router, which works just fine. Yeah. And I mean, it's not just environmental organizations. It's also consumer right organi- rights organizations, because a lot of these devices have planned obsolescence. And even if you're not concerned from a um, an environmental perspective, um, from you know having these companies plan for their consumer base to have to purchase additional products and to cease providing updates for them, um, you know, it's it's highly objectionable just from an exploitative commercial component. And um, the only way that consumers can get around this is by installing their own updates and banding together in a project like OpenWRT. And so, you know, if there's no permission to do this, then, um, then we're all out of luck. And folks that have lawfully purchased their own devices, you know, simply can't fix them. And so it, it goes back to sort of this idea that we should have a right to repair all of our devices and routers are no exception. And in routers in particular, you know, open, with OpenWRT, you can make sure that your um, your router has all of the appropriate updates and that you can rely on it. And, you know, if w- without the permission to do that, then you're just going to wind up having to buy new products over and over again, which is a real strain on consumers. Yeah, and, and we have this great... Ex- in addition to the environment. We have this great example uh, with regard to like why the consumers actually want this. Uh, we have the example in the, in the long comment uh, about the WRT54G, which was, the, the of course, the router that was enforced over. Um, the, or the original uh, WRT54 was the one that was the really the first big GPL enforcement action with a huge coalition, including I was involved, Haravelta was involved, uh, Eric Anderson, the BusyBox project was involved, all together enforcing on that model. And it, it became well known that if you were a hobbyist, you wanted to use that model. And they still produce 
new routers that really aren't that similar to the ones that, that were doing that uh, under that 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 um, number uh, of a you know a product number because people learn that that's the one you buy if you want to run OpenWRT. And so it's, it's just, it's just, a, it's just such an irony that, that then Linksys again later had to get sued a second time. Well, they weren't sued the first time. It was just an enforcement action. And then later they were outright sued for violating the GPL when all this, all along this whole time, they were, they were benefiting from the fact that they had violated the GPL and, and come into compliance, or at least mostly came into compliance. Um, on 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 that model, it's 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 not surprising that companies want this both ways, right? They're they're going to look for squeezing the public wherever they can, and the niche of consumers that are knowledgeable and that would be taking advantage of um you know of this are 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 separate from the consumers that will just keep buying new routers, and so which they they shouldn't be because we should be able to educate all the consumers so that they can make best use of their devices. But it's not terribly surprising that companies do this. And it's funny because I find that um, folks who have traditionally been advocating, I'll just say advocating for open source, have consistently maintained that we'll be more successful if we solely make the business proposition for uh, software freedom and that we convince companies and demonstrate to them where companies have been successful with using free software, but really even where companies have been successful for free software when it was not essential for them to do so, those very same companies rely, you know, go back to proprietary software and and look towards taking rights away from consumers um, from time to time. And so it all depends sort of like, what is the, you know, what is the division of that corporation? What is their product strategy? And what do they think is going to generate the short-term profits for it? Rather than this idea that there's this... Um, you know, really rational corporate wide. I mean, some companies have, um, you know, a more coherent strategy and are more coordinated, but many are not. And many take it on a case by case scenario. And I think that um, by really focusing on the rights that consumers deserve and that we ensure that people have control over their own devices is going to be a much more successful way for um, advocating in the future, I, I think. I mean, we need businesses to get on board, but they will when they get consumer pressure. Um, yeah, I, I, I hope so. I, I'm, I, I'm not sure that, that businesses will, will change their behavior. You look at other spaces where there's consumer pressure to do different things. You know, look at things like the auto market and other places where consumers are relatively well organized as far as how they, they do things. I, I think it's an uphill battle to convince them. Uh, certainly, there are organizations doing great work, uh, people like folks like the Right to Repair and all that, and are very well organized, particularly with automotive issues and so forth, uh, advocating for this but right to for consumer control of their devices but that's just on the hardware side they're they're facing huge opposition uh we recently were looking at uh some of the work the right to repair did a great work that they did uh to uh to advocate in various uh i think it was in massachusetts where most recently there was a, a, an update to the massachusetts right to repair law and the amount of money uh denver my colleague and i were looking at this the amount of money that the other side spent on its PAC, uh, political action committee that they formed for those not in the U.S., uh, the thing, thing that Citizens United made, uh, unbounded and unregulated, um, that, that, that PAC just, there's so much money dumped into it. Uh, and so, you know, consumers are hearing these mixed messages like they always are because these, uh, you know, 501c6s and PACs and other people are out there trying to convince consumers, oh, the businesses have it. They know what they're doing. You don't, you, they, they'll always treat you well. Um, I actually, this is, a, this is a little bit off point, but I recently heard a uh, Planet Money episode, which is a uh, radio show slash podcast here in the United States, uh, talking about those recycling symbols on the bottom of recycle, uh, like jugs and stuff. Uh, they are, were completely meaningless and made up by the industry to try to convince people that recycling was happening when it was not. What? Yeah. Just the industry made them up. They meant nothing. They had no relationship. Like, there's all this like theory out there that they relate to, like which resin is used. I mean, they have some vague relationship to that. But there was when they were put on the jugs, there was no recycling, and recyclers didn't know what to do with them. Like people were like, "Oh, ones and twos." Like and and people and the recyclers like would call each other and be like, "So people are sending us these ones and twos, but like, what does that mean? We don't know what it means. No one ever told us what it meant." 
Uh, <laughs> you know, and so, and so it was completely made up. And, and this is the kind of thing that the companies do. Yeah, I'm shocked by that. I mean, I know that, that uh, I've lived in places where people have, where municipalities have explained what recycling you can do based on those categories. They have, so yeah. maybe they're regulated now. Nope. But that's that's what that's the, this Planet Money episode said. They were. I'll link to it in the show notes. Folks can listen to this. But this is the kind of things companies do. Fascinating. Yeah. And so and so we so we have to assume that companies are not going to have the best interest of wireless router users at heart. And in that vein, I want to ask you, Karen, do you think that any wireless router company is going to file an opposition in a couple of weeks uh, on this on this? Or no, it's soon. It's sooner than that. The opposition. The deadline's have... approaching. It's yeah. next week. Right, but they get two rounds. Yeah, There's two, two. They have two chances. I think. It's Tuesday that they have to oppose. Yeah. So the so the day I mean, they, they can. Yeah. <laughs> say the say the date, they Karen. Also... Don't, don't forget. Don't forget. Uh, we're we're in the future. Um, oh yeah, yeah so it's already February happened. 9th. So maybe they February already 9th. have. Yeah, yeah. Um, February 9th is yeah. the date, and and so, but they also have they another still... round. They they have another opportunity later on. They do, and they also the March the uh, if you were filing in support or if you're fi- which they probably wouldn't be, but if you were filing in neither support nor opposition, you have until mid March. I think it's March 10th. In which case, like, and I could imagine if somebody missed that deadline, they would simply file in neither support nor um, nor opposition, but make their opposition points. <laughs> yeah. So, so do you think a company is going to file in, in opposition? Uh, company. I don't know. I was certain that we were going to get even more opposition on the smart TV proposal. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did get some opposition. We did get significant opposition, but not at the level I thought we were going to. And I think that for some reason, the and, and I would say the same with the medical devices exemption, like there was opposition, but again, not at the level I was expecting. And I, I think that in some instances, this process flies under the radar. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I think this is one of those things where journalists have not been that engaged with this process. And I think that might be strangely a good thing um, until after <laughs> the process is over and then we can make hay about the exemptions that we won. Yep. Um, so I, I don't know. Do you think you're more of a betting person than me? Uh, did, which companies filed in opposition to the TV, if any, the TV exemption the first time? I mean, I think it was the RAA that oh, the filed RAA. in opposition oh, that makes to us. More sense. Okay, so the RAA is not going to care about wireless routers, I don't think. Um, so we won't see an exemption. We won't see an opposition from them. I will make it. I will make a, a wager with you, Karen. I will take TP-Link against the field. Uh, so you get the whole field. You get nobody, nobody files an opposition. There are no router company files an opposition. You get all other router companies file an opposition. I'll bet uh, I, what I want is TP link uh, and if other, I still win. As long as TP link files, I win, even if others file, but I will take TP link effectively against the field. Well, that's fair because if anyone files, it would be them. I mean, they, yeah. sh- they're the only ones that surely know about it because they were named. Yeah. Well, but TP link has been the company that's been most obsessed with locking down wireless routers. That's true. Uh, other companies have not really put the effort in. TP-Link has really been the, the – they are, they are the, the – uh, I, I want to say what's the opposite of a gold standard? Uh, like they are, they, are the, uh, they are the dirt standard. <laughs> the dirt standard of lockdown. The lead standard? <laughs> well, lead's a useful metal, right? I mean, of course, dirt's useful. I mean, you plant, plant uh, crops in it. Um, yeah. I, I, what's a useless substance? I, I, I'm trying to think of a useless substance. I mean, one would argue there are no useful – useless substances if, if you plan well there are no useless substances it's true yeah um, I, I mean like like a uh a cheap plastic used yeah an unrecyclable plastic bottle Aha. number six plastics is <laughs> which is meaningless as we've established um i, I was gonna go scatological on that and call it the that the, you know call, call it that kind of standard but that you know that's that makes fertilizer so that's that's useful um <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so they, they but they, well, the, TP Link has been the most locked down. Is there something podcast related that I could win? I don't know. If I make this bet? Because you, so you win if they file and I uh, win if, if they don't. Files, if TP Link files, period. Because usually I like file. to, I like to bet against myself so that I win either way. So like either 
Oh, well, then you are. If then, the thing- I'm t- I'll take either side because I because you know I'm a gambler. I know like once I set the line, I have to be willing to take either side. That's how it works. So I set the line, so you can pick your side. So if they file, I win. If you would like, yeah. So if TP Link files, you win. And so we'll have to figure out the stakes later, I suppose. Is yeah, what you're I suppose we'll, we'll you can't think of anything podcast related. All right, all right. I mean, what I usually see podcasters betting is who has to edit the show. But, of course, Dan Lynch edits all our show. <laughs> like I think that whoever loses has to buy Dan Lynch uh, uh, has, to, has to buy Dan Lynch a drink. Okay. But, but, but when are we going to see Dan Lynch again? That's the no, problem. No, no, we don't. We can, we can buy a, a drink for him remotely. So we can to, give him... Like, uh, you're telling me I'm allowed to buy alcohol in the UK remotely from the United States and have it delivered to Dan. This I do not believe. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. The, the UK, much of the UK is in serious lockdown now. Um, but possibly by the time we know about this the conclusion of the bet it may maybe i i i have purchased people drinks at bars in their cities by calling the bar and paying with my credit card over the phone this is this is a strange thing and i've also given people gift cards for their local um you know their local restaurant That's, or whatever uh, i suppose that works too or we could simply send Dan Lynch money electronically. Yeah, Dan Lynch is wonderful. Everyone should send Dan Lynch money electronically. <laughs> After you become a supporter of Software Freedom Conservancy. <laughs> so 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 we'll have this bet. We'll find out a TP link files. Karen, we we've we've got a record on air. Karen is taking uh Karen wins if TP link files and and I win if no one files or if uh if somebody other than TP link files. And I think we agree that Dan Lynch is the beneficiary of our bet. That that's agreed as well. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so in the next segment, we're going to talk about the other exemption, the the, the third. We, we were the largest filer this this triennial uh, prize. Going to say this year, but it's only every three years. This triennial process, we filed three uh, more yeah. than any other organization or individual or entity on the the in the United States. I guess I guess foreign people could file. Uh, people foreign from the U.S. I don't know, but we are, we filed the most, and we're going to talk about our third one. Yeah. coming up in the next segment of right, right. Freedom and Freedom. Before we leave, though, before we leave this topic, I think it is worth noting that um, that there was a filing made by EFF in this class to expand the exemption that we already received. So they were building on the smart TV exemption and asking to expand it a little. Um, and I was really excited about that because it's a real like way that um, that organizations in the space are complementing each other's work. And so I just wanted to like give that a, a shout out and that, um, you know, we were coordinated with them, and I think it's um, it's important work. Yeah, I, I, I no, no complaints about the FF's filing uh, in this class, but uh, but they, they they already have a lot more money, so so you should donate to Conservancy first, and then if you have money left over, <laughs> okay. donate to EFF. I uh, yeah, I want all of the orgs to um, to 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 get donations to survive. Uh, yeah, I think we the EFF is going to survive for sure. <laughs> okay. So uh, in the next segment, we will talk about the privacy exemption coming up uh, in the next segment of Free as in Freedom. Sounds good. So now we're going to talk about the, um, the last exemption that we filed, right, Bradley? And this one is in class 13, right? Yeah. And so this one... It ends up being put under security. Do they not have a class for privacy, given that the privacy is specifically called out in the law? Well, but that's in a separate area, right? That's in I. Yeah, I know. So, but then why is and, it? And we've, we've, we asked that it be expanded in particular for, um, for researchers, right? So, well, well I don't want to jump ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, this is this is the hardest one that we filed. This is the one where it, it, it's going to be the most difficult to get. Because our arguments are the most, um, you know, the, the, the kind of the most broad. Um, we're, we're trying to talk about uh, cla- one of the things we're trying to do here is, is explain to the Library of Congress, which we, we think they should agree with us on, but it's it's an uphill battle. Uh, we have to admit that the 
that classes don't necessarily have to be things like wireless routers, right? We, we think the wireless router ones can be really easy to get because it's very attached to the way they've thought about classes in the past. They thought about like, oh, wireless routers is a class of devices. We're trying to say there's a class of, of, of uses of DMCA lockdown measures that relate to kind of privacy generally in a certain, certain aspect. Right. And here where and I just remembered why it's like this is because we've asked for expansion of the good faith security research exemption to include good faith privacy research. So that's why it's in this class is because we've asked for the class to be expanded. So uh, so that it's uh, it's for uh, it's it's in particular for things that don't necessarily relate to security flaws or vulnerabilities, but also. Um, increase the, also for privacy privacy research. Yeah, and and I think I think that that's I mean that's where the we're, we're expecting uh, hard questions in the Library of Congress when we get to the Q and A part of it because you know, they they don't they don't like to they don't like to keep expanding these classes they they, they like to have these li- nice little boxes for each exemption and understand all of the all of the sides of it uh, and we're trying to get expanded which I think it should be. Uh, there is in the statute a bunch of stuff about privacy uh, under uh, under 17 USC section 1201I uh, as an indigo, and that is um, that 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 we felt. I mean, we're, we're, there's some disagreement around the community. You'll see that a, a, a for-profit company uh, that that seems generally well-intentioned opposed our filing um uh in in their comments because they they sort of were making the argument the law already allows this. We, we think that. We, we, we think we'd like that to be true. In fact, we'd like that to be true for all of this, but it's not always true. That's right. And and in, in large part, um, you know, and, and, and so we've asked not just for the exemption, but that um, that that I section be expanded um, to permit, you know, to explicitly permit, um, you know, additional uh, circumvention um, with the idea of acknowledging that you may buy a product and not even realize that it's collecting personal information about you. Um, and so the um, provisions in I may not be uh, sufficient sufficient for you. Um, and then uh, and then the other piece of this that we've really focused on is that uh, while there are permissions for people who uh, for, about the people for for the people whom their information is being collected, it is not um, necessarily granted for people who are doing that work on behalf of somebody else. And so you may, um, you know, you may have a device that's collecting personal information about you, but you may want to hire somebody else to do that work for you, or you may want to be part of a group of people that's concerned um, about this and um, and work together. You may just want a friend to help you, and that's not um, and that's not currently permissible. And so, um, you know, I think this is very important. The medical device is one that I participated in as an individual, also. Um, hits in the same area and um, and asks for expansion for other people doing that work for you, um, which is which is really important because, you know, not everyone is going to be able to have the technical facility to be able to modify their own devices and to do all that work completely by themselves. It's almost meaningless to demand that because then the folks who are technically able to do that will do that work, but then they can't share it with anyone. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's it's really I, I think this is an important part of this exemption request. Yeah, I think the most compelling example uh, that was included in our filing, our long comment filing, was this example of of, the, of stuff that was discovered about TikTok. Uh, which uh, one of the reasons I think it's compelling is because of the concerns that uh, that TikTok uh, is controlled by uh, by a Chinese corporation, which means the Chinese government uh, has uh, special privileges uh, to get access to data. Uh, but the the researcher was able to uh, to figure out some certain privacy problems. Uh, but it was arguable, not necessarily that we agree with it, but it was arguable that there wasn't a security flaw related to that. And I think, generally speaking, security researchers are finding uh, finding things that are not just security flaws uh, in their work, and and finding privacy flaws effectively is a form of secu- generally a form of security research. And we were concerned that there might be ambiguity in the exemptions that already existed that might cause uh, the chilling effects again, right? I mean, this is, this is all about, this is all about the issue of are, are folks worried that what they're doing might not be allowed? 
uh, because there are lots of things that probably are allowed. And, and it's the classic thing with, with laws like this where they're selectively enforced. You can, you kind of commit your crime of, of, of learning something and the crime of knowledge, uh, which is knowledge is illegal in, in the U.S. in some cases. Uh, and then you wait to see if you get prosecuted for it. And that's the scary thing. It's so hard to write these exemption requests because when you're looking to give examples, you don't necessarily want to draw attention to things that are already being done where you could bring liability to those people who are doing really important work. Um, you know, but at the same time, the process requires that you be able to show that there is a real need for the exemption. And so it's this real like, what is the right way to to um you know, to write the exemption and how do you make sure that you have time to, you know, or, 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 or that you connect to every single, um, you know, every single project that you might want to reference. So it, I, I find this to be just such a challenging process for that reason and, and kind of messed up in that regard. Well, everything about this law, we, we, we covered this pretty extensively on the previous episode that everything about this law is wrong. Uh, there's really, there's really nothing good here. Uh, we're, we're working within a flawed system to make things a little bit easier. Um, yeah. I, I was actually wondering, and I didn't get a chance to clear this with you in advance, Bradley, but do you want to like tell some of the stories that that didn't make it into the exemption that were funny, kind of funny examples of how we need these, we need the ability to modify our devices for privacy, even though the... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I, I mean, the, the, the company the, that sold you the device thinks that they've done a perfectly fine job. So, so I, we 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 ended up narrowing a little bit what we were asking for because we know the Library of Congress uh, likes narrow uh, narrow sort of sort of exemptions, um, and so and so I came up with a couple of examples. Um, uh, the, the the one I, I'm sure you're talking about is um, that that uh, your dog stepping on your remote could be a privacy flaw. Um, I have a, and then so 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 Karen's outing me that I have a proprietary. Uh, uh, well, it's a, it's a. Um, uh, I, I I have a I have a television on my wall in my house that's probably violating the GPL. Uh, let's put it that way. I was pretty uh, subtle. You're the one who decided to tell the story. Yeah, fine. <laughs> um, but it's it's locked. It's a lockdown device, um, and uh, and and it has. Uh, of course, it's it's it's. I I'm pretty sure it's running Linux. I, I don't know that for sure. I haven't. Uh, I haven't completely, you know, you know, done my usual thing that I do. I, well, I mean, this is I should uh, as, as a side point. I will explain to those who follow the podcast. Um, I made a rule a long time ago that I don't favor um, GPL enforcement investigations of devices I own over the reports we get from other people because I, I didn't want to be in a situation where I'm the, this person known to be out there looking for GPL violations um, to be basically picking the devices that I was interested in having and then chasing those. Um, I do encourage like, uh, <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm not a government employee, so it's the wrong way to say this, but I encourage people like in, in, the, in the private sector who want to you know, research the violations of the, pro- the ones they care about. But I, I sort of have a public sector like job in GPL enforcement. So I, I try not to like run right when I buy something, I'm like, I'm going to figure out. I mean, I do exercise my source requests and stuff, but I don't, I don't try to prioritize those for conservancy's enforcement efforts. So for this reason, this particular television news manufacturer I will mention, I haven't really looked into that, but it's certainly a lockdown device. And there's no question about that. It's just obvious that it is. Uh, and it's got a bunch of proprietary software on it because even the devices that run Linux, you know, whether this device is running Linux or not is an open question. Uh, but even the devices that run Linux, the application space is proprietary. So this proprietary application. Uh, it, it it has a, like that voice recognition stuff that they put into TVs, which I have all of it turned off. And it is possible for a dog to, which I've experienced directly, a dog to step on the remote and get to the window that enables um, that voice recognition stuff and agrees to the terms and conditions for it. Like like I've had I've gotten the remote from under my dog uh, while the screen said. Uh, do you want to agree to the terms and condition and enable voice recognition now? Um, and it's on okay. And the one more button click and it would be okay would have been clicked. Um, so like, and I can, I, you know, I think you should be allowed to modify uh, that uh, for privacy reasons, right? So if it's a lockdown device, I should be able to make it easier for myself. Now we didn't include that in the exemption because we narrowed what we were asking for. We're not asking in this exemption 
for like end user modification to fix privacy flaws. We're talking about research into uh, privacy flaws, mainly because we thought it was too big of a jump uh, to ask the Library of Congress to go to. Uh, that you should just have general, because again, they don't, they want these, they don't like these really broad strokes, uh, ex- exemptions that say anytime, like I would love if they granted exemptions that anytime it's too easy to invade your privacy by hitting the wrong button, you should be allowed to, to circumvent the TPM to modify the device. I mean, that's what I wanted us to ask for if we, but it, it became clear that asking for that would, uh, as a fur, as like it's taking three steps at once in what we're asking for. So I mean, this round, to be clear, ask- we do. I mean, we do say that that consumers would want to modify their devices to protect their information mm-hmm. and that they should be able to make modifications to uh, devices that are surveilling them. We are we have no two ways about it. We say it. We ask for it. Yeah. Just to be clear, it's not the thrust of our exemption, but it is right. in there. We were. Yeah, it's in there in, in un- section B in subsection flinching. B there. Yeah. Yes. D, D sub B has it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is our, our wrap up and, you know, really yeah. contains the, the policy behind it. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, I, and I think, I think that that exemption ought to be granted. I, 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 I th- th- there's a good chance though that they, they, because they, they, I think they can also grant partial exemptions mm-hmm. based on what you asked for. So uh, I think it's going to be difficult for us to get that. But, but yeah, I, I, I certainly think that, that th- these devices are engineered uh, to invade privacy now. And, they're engineered to, and I think, I think, uh, I mean, to, just to pick on, on Google a little bit, I mean, I think any Android device, it, it just bombards you with, please enable Google's this, Google services that, that are all privacy invading. And it's really hard to get stuff done with an Android device if you leave a lot of that stuff off because it's constantly saying, well, if you want to use this feature, you've got to enable that. And many times I've found ways around that and you can go a different way to get the same activity done with a device. Uh, but it certainly makes it really hard for consumers to not just click OK. And this, and, and I've talked for years on this podcast about the the click OK to everything culture until it works, right? And agree to agree to new terms and conditions until it works. Like I, I, I don't know how we're ever going to change that culture. But in that culture, like it's it's very dangerous. Uh, if, if, if on top of that, you can't if not doing that somehow would end up causing you to be a DMCA violation or trying to avoid doing right. that. Yeah. And one of the things that I'm most proud of in this exemption is that we really put a fine point on the fact that notice is not enough. Just because you know and you've been told that your device might transmit information to third parties, um, that doesn't make it okay. And that you should have the ability to modify your own device to prevent that um, surveillance and that collection of information, even if there was notice buried in some term and condition that you were provided with or that was referred to. When you started using the process, the um, when you started using the product, yeah, I think the thing I'm most proud about this exemption is is actually a, a little bit form over function. I feel like uh, the, I mean there was there was a lot of um, discussion of whether uh, most most folks uh, participating in the exemption process are, are are kind of filing exemptions in the same format and nature and organization of past exemption filings, um, and this was kind of a I mean, we're, we're kind of radicals in some sense. And, and this was kind of a radical approach to maybe we could get something done with an exemption, uh, that, that nobody's tried before. Um, and I think this exemption and also our copyright exemption, uh, both the copyright enforcement exemption, both of those are, um, a little bit radical in that regard. They're, they're, they're trying to do things that folks have not tried to get done with exemptions before, but are really necessary. Um, the, the, the wireless rider one is pretty much in the tradition of, uh, of the exemptions that have been followed in the past by others. Um, so you know we're, we're the we're the radicals trying to trying to get the most we can out of a process that that's flawed in its uh, entire form and nature, but uh, is the only process we have in the United States to uphold freedom on lockdown devices. Yep, and folks have definitely noticed our filings. There have been a lot of comments, a lot of writing about it that sort of said, "I'm very curious to see what the Software Freedom Conservancy is going to say in their long, you know, in their comments." And uh, and 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 when I when I talk to you. Um, you know, other folks working in this area, especially uh, law school clinics, they're like, your conservancy. Cool. <laughs> Tell me more of what you're thinking. Them? Yeah, because I've been talking to I've been talking to folks since the process has happened. Um, I had uh, occasion to talk to um, a few of the, um, the the folks involved in clinics recently. And I've connected to them in the past, but they didn't make that. Uh, they didn't uh, didn't realize. 
So I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. I think at this point, I, I think we're kind of wrapping up on this. I, I want to say that we also, Bradley and I didn't write these exemptions, uh, these petitions alone. Uh, there's really excellent work by our lawyers who worked on it here. Um, in particular, uh, Pam Chestick, who worked on the, um, uh, who worked on the uh, license investigation one. And Aaron Williamson uh, took the uh, primary, uh, t- held the pen on the um, on the open WRT one, and then um, uh, Adam Alewa, who uh, who was the primary uh, person on the uh, privacy exemption. So they did great work, and Denver Gingrich also at Conservancy worked hard on it. So um, we'll see what happens. It's going to be so- a process. So you'll hear from us again. So do you think so we can take another bet? Do you, do you so so there's a um so so there's a there's a public hearing at some point that happens. There's one East Coast one and a West Coast one. I'm trying to find the dates of that. Um it's much harder to take I this think, bet if I don't remember the dates, but I think they haven't set them yet and I think that might be pandemic related because they if it's a virtual hearing then they won't have two separate ones I bet. Oh, I see. Yeah, so what yeah. I'm trying what I'm trying to find find out if we can bet on is if if the if the hearing will be in person or not. Uh, that's that's like that's basically betting on on pandemic vaccines, I suppose. But I'm I'm curious to know if if we if they're late enough in the year that they might be in person, like they have been in previous years. Yeah, I'm curious. Well, don't I don't want to take that. a bet on it though. I, I find that the pandemic is so stressful and. I, I, I'd be betting against myself here, but it wouldn't be. I, I don't even want to do that. Okay. All right. Well, we won't bet on that. Um, so, uh, so, so, yeah, so you should see uh, at, at, at February 9th, which is right around the time of this podcast release, uh, uh, either a couple of days before or after, uh, there was uh, more oppositions uh, filed. Um, and then there's uh, the opportunity for us to reply uh, by March 10th. And individuals can reply too. Uh, the the uh, Karen, I think you wanted to talk a little bit about the process and how how individuals can also you know jump into this if they want to. Oh yeah. So if you look at the list of um, of comments that are on the um, the copyright.gov website right now, you'll see some of the comments are just individuals who are like, it is really wrong to not let users um, unlock their phones. Like, well, the funny part about that phone. one is they said they said uh, on any carrier as if like they were particularly mad at one carrier and didn't want to say who it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and so I guess what I was just saying is that anyone can file comments and support. And so, you know, I, I, I like that part of the process. It's very clear. It's very, you know, open. I, I, I suspect you can't file if, if they got inundated, they would start um, taking pers- taking some uh, action to um, to filter them out, but um, but right now it's relatively low traffic, so any anyone can file and support. And I'm not saying that folks should take the time away from other important activities that uh, uh, that they have in order to file and support. But if it were something that uh, you felt you wanted to do, you could. Well, yeah, and that, and that would be for the March 10th uh, deadline that you would have to do that. Um, and, uh, and I, of course, I hope you won't file an opposition of anything that's uh, been filed for these exemptions. It'll be, it'll but, be too late. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can, um, uh, well, you can, you can file neutral comments by March 10th as well. So I, I, I don't, I don't know what a neutral comment would mean, um, in this I case. I think it's but. like this, co- this comment doesn't take into account this particular thing. And so you might want to be careful with how it's worded kind of yeah. thing. But uh, for example, if uh, we probably won't cover this again on the show uh, before March tenth, so uh, twenty twenty one. So if you know if you uh, if you were, for example, if if there are a lot of uh, we don't know what's going to happen on February 9th as we record, uh, but if there are a lot of uh, actually, and they probably won't publish them right away, so it'll probably be later that week that they publish uh, the um, or later this week probably uh, that they publish the. Um, uh, the, the oppositions, but if you see oppositions in there that you think are, are really egregious uh, from from you know companies and so forth, then then that's a that's something you can do to swing back on the March 10th deadline and, and write and support and say that you, you think these companies are not being fair or whatever whatever you happen to think. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think I don't think the one sentence comments that you'll see a lot of uh, the, the the few comments. In fact, I, pretty much all the comments that were filed purely by individuals, uh, either anonymous or otherwise, were were not. We're not that coherent. So if you, you know, write a comment, uh, be brief and coherent uh, if you file it. You know, you know, write write a paragraph and make it a really good paragraph uh, because it, it doesn't it doesn't really help to have a bunch of me-toos uh, uh, posted in this kind of scenario, uh, generally speaking. 
Yep. Well, I think that might wrap up this episode. Bradley, what do you think? I, I think so. And so we're, we're done with the DMCA stuff. Uh, sorry, it took a little bit longer. Don't forget to support Conservancy at sfconservancy.org slash supporter. Uh, don't forget that you can uh, listen to the live shows now. There's a mailing list link in the show notes that you can subscribe to a mailing list to find out when we're recording live. Uh, and you can uh, you can hear it live. Hear it live uh, if you want to. <laughs> and uh, and uh, anything else you want to mention, Karen? No, keep being awesome. Who, me? Or our listeners. listeners. Oh, Thank you for me. listening. Especially given our... I mean, you're awesome too, Bradley. And I think you should also keep being awesome. But... I object to be... I do not I inspire awe. I do not inspire awe. I love recording awe. with you. And I'm not I like a giant sunset in the, you know, the, the, the open spaces of the, of the, of the Western, Western uh, United States or, you know, like giant glaciers, you know, the... Uh, those are the kinds of things that inspire awe, right? I'd say the fact that um, folks sign up as supporters and people listen to this podcast inspires some degree of awe in me. Uh, what, what I'm objecting to is the is the use of awesome to mean uh, things that are somewhat unawful. I think folks don't really actually we do know that there's one person at least who listens for this part this kind of conversation but I think nonetheless our other I know there are other listeners who in fact who wish we would do less of it so let's wrap up okay (laughs) thanks so much for listening Free as in Freedom is produced by Dan Lynch of danlynch.org that's d-a-n-l-y-n-c-h The Free is in Freedom theme music was written by Mike Tarantino and is performed by Mike Tarantino with Charlie Paxton on drums. You can learn more about our work at the Software Freedom Conservancy at the website sfconservancy.org. Conservancy is a 501c3 charity and is supported by your donations. An RSS feed for this show is available from faith.us. That's F-A-I-F dot U-S. All episodes of Free as in Freedom are licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International License. So if you're, if you're full of all, you're awful, right? Which is bad. If you're some of all, you're awesome, which apparently is good, which I don't believe people can be awesome. So what's the deal with all? I think awe is a dumb. yeah. Is it something to do with the remaining e, where the um, the e is for excellent? That sounds awful. <laughs>